want to thank you for your blessings in our lives. We want to thank you for the things that you have done. And Lord, the things that we can look at and say, thank you, Lord, for working. Lord, thank you for the, uh, the waiting. Uh, many, many, many years waiting to get some of these things done. And Lord, just seeing them come together uh, is just such a blessing to know that you care even even when the answer is delayed for a long time. Lord, we thank you for your work and hearts and lives and just using uh, different ones in our church. And Lord, growing up young men here and to send out, we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz. And uh, go ye kids, if you want to go back with Mrs. Montoro. James chapter 1, and if you do not have an outline, would like one, raise your hand there. I think there's some more in the back. And uh, so far, we've gotten down to verse uh, 18. And uh, reordered the outline just a little bit. Uh, The first command was, My brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into divers temptations. The second one is, do not err, my beloved brethren. And, of course, that's dealing with temptation and, and, and sin in our lives. And part of that is understanding that every good and perfect gift cometh down from God. And uh, all out of outlines? Uh, okay. Yeah, the master's there. It should be there on the machine. And... Um, you know, there's an awful lot of things that look good at the beginning, but after you had them a while, they're, they're not near as good as they looked. And that's one of the ways that you can know that it did not come from God. And we get down here to uh, verse 19, and we get to James' third command, and it's interesting. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've read through the book of James, but every time he's got something for us to do, he starts off with, Uh, or includes in that thing, my brethren or my beloved brethren, he says, I want you to understand that this is something that if you are a believer in Christ, it needs to be in your life. Now, none of us uh, should look forward to or go around, uh, I should put it better this way, None of us should go around looking for diverse temptations to fall in. Uh, They will come your way without you going looking for them. Amen? And uh, yet, uh, we have no problem understanding, do not err, my beloved brethren. The easiest time it is to quit smoking is before you've had your first drag. Uh, that, that's, that's what it's talking about there. It's a whole lot easier to stop sin before you get involved and get into that process. Because once you do, sin is going to bring forth death. And so we get down here to verse 19, and he's got a third one for us. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear... Slow to speak and slow, not and, I'm sorry, slow to wrath. Now, I don't care whose book you're talking about, that's good advice. 
swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And that kind of is the next section here. It's going to take us through the end of chapter 2. And, and, I mean, end of chapter 1 and chapter 2 starts out, My brethren, oh, here's another one of those commands. Here's another thing that ought to be in your life. And so we're going to try to get through uh, this section tonight. As it says here, Wherefore, what is the wherefore? Well, verse 18 is the wherefore. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So, James is explaining here, Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father above. The greatest gift is our salvation. And we need to understand a few things about that salvation. The Bible tells us, first of all, of His own will. It is God's will that you be saved. Now, we're not going to go where the Calvinist goes. Where he says, only by God's will can you be saved, and only by God's will will you go to hell. That's not in the Bible. It is God's will that how many people should be saved? Everybody. It is the will of God. God so loved the world. God wants every living person to be saved. And if you're here today, you're in this auditorium, and you're saved, guess who saved you? God did. It was according to His will. It was His work. But what did God use to save you? It says, with the word of truth. I don't care how you got it, but somebody gave you this word for you to get saved. Somebody said, oh no, I just got a gospel track. Uh, Wait a minute, what was in the track? Somebody said, well, I I heard it on the radio. Well, what were they saying on the radio? Well, my friend sat down and talked to me. What did they share with you? You get saved by God's words. It's got to be the Scriptures. Now, I don't really think I need to spend a lot of time addressing this, but there's a group of people out there and they'll say, if, uh, if the person who led you to the Lord didn't use a King James Bible, you didn't get saved. You say, well, where does that come from? Uh, how many of you remember my story on Steinway Street? It's right here. Uh, that's where they got that from. Uh, God's Word has to be used. And there is enough gospel, even in some of the, uh, even in many of the poorest translations, for somebody to get saved if they'll only use it. The, but uh, we we have to be careful. There are all kinds of extremes out there. Now, should you use a King James Bible if you speak English? Uh, Most certainly. Should you use anything else? Most certainly not. Uh, but, uh, again, you know, Calvinism is simply 
Bible truths taken one step beyond Bible truth. That's why we reject Calvinism. That's why we reject, quote-unquote, Reformed uh, theology. That's why we're not Protestants. Uh, uh, we, we just want to be simple Bible believers. Amen. And God uses His Word to save us of His own will, begat He us with the Word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. God saved us with a purpose in mind. How many of you, in the process that brought you to salvation, had someone who was saved come into your path and invite you to church? If that happened, if you had someone come into your path that invited you to church or took you or sat down and read the Bible to you or gave you this, just raise your hand tonight. If, I mean, I would think that would be the vast majority uh, of us in this room. That's what it means by a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You know what? First fruits are simply the first ripe fruit. A, a tree will produce a, uh, the first fruits, the field. Uh, if you've ever grown tomatoes, you'll get those first ripe tomatoes off the vine. And, uh, uh, that's a wonderful thing, but you know what I'm glad is that's not all you get. That, that vine keeps producing. There's more fruit coming along. And God simply saved us so that we can reach out and touch others. You see, it's God's will that all people get saved, but all people do not achieve God's will. In fact, there are many Christians who miss out on the best parts of God's will for their life uh, because they don't continue in the Word of God. And that's what these things are going to talk about here. And so we get to behavior that becomes or is expected of the child of God. If you're going to be that saved person that... You've received that good gift, that perfect gift that comes down from God and never changes. You have been saved by God's Word. Then we need to work on some things. Swift to hear. Now, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that most of us do not have this problem. There are some people out there that are listening too closely. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. Um, we just had an unfortunate story pass along, not in our church, way far away from here, but a young man we knew, we had kind of watched from afar and, and uh, seen the Lord do some great things in his life, may, uh, transforming him into a leader. And uh, he finally went into his pastor and he had told him some things, and, and uh, the pastor said, uh, you know what, that's, that's not what we believe in our church, and said, uh, you're going to have to resign, and you're going to have to leave, because you're, you're making problems. You know what his problem was? He's one of that one-tenth of one percent that just listens too much. 
You've got to be careful what you hear. You know, if you sit there and read and listen to uh, uh, Christian radio or the quote-unquote scholars, you're going to hear a lot of things that just aren't in the Bible. That's not what James is saying to be swift to hear. You see, when James wrote the book of James... If we understand things correctly, the entire New Testament consisted of the book of James. It was probably the first New Testament book penned. There just wasn't a lot out there to get at this point. And so God was using uh, uh, Peter and, and James and Philip and all the different disciples as they were traveling around. And later on, the Apostle Paul to get God's revelation into the world. And James is saying, listen, you need to be swift to hear. You need to be uh, fast to pick up on that which comes from God. Now, how can you know that something comes from God? It's very simple. It's been written down. Uh, I love that little course we sing. I'm... I'm not sure the author of the song really intended what we say he intended, but it's, I've just heard from heaven. I love that song. But the only way you can know you've heard from heaven, it's got to be written down first. If it's not written down, you haven't heard from heaven. It may sound awful good, but let's go back to verse 17 there. It doesn't say every good gift cometh down from God. It says every good and perfect, every good gift and every perfect gift. You see, if it's good today, it'll be good 50 years from now. I remember I told this story as a college student. I was doing the floor in a room, and and uh, it was part of uh, what was called Cox Medical Center in uh, Springfield, Missouri. And guess whose room I was polishing the floor? Mrs. Cox. Uh, it was her husband that had founded the hospital and the medical center. And, of course, uh, her daughter was in there and began talking with me. She said, when you get a little older, she said, you'll grow out of some of that fundamentalist stuff. Well, I'll be 50 this year. I think that qualifies for a little older. Not much older, but a little bit. You know what? I love it more and believe it more today and understand it more today than I did almost 30 years ago when I was, over 30 years ago when I was a student, when that actually happened. You see, we've got to be swift to hear what God has to say and close our ears to everything else. Now, We want to be careful that we don't use that for an excuse to be swift to hear what we think the Bible has to say. You see, we've got the pendulum swinging. On one extreme is the person who listens to everyone who has everything to say. 
On the other extreme is the person who listens to only what they have to say about the subject. Let me tell you, both extremes are just as wrong. Uh, Brother Hardy puts it this way. He says, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. He said, and you would do well to stay out of both of them. And in order to do that, we need to be swift to hear what is written down, what comes from the Lord, what is in the Scripture, and then the next one is slow to speak. How many of you have ever had a problem with stuttering? Uh, I don't know if some of you remember this, but Peter, when he was little... He had a little problem with starting. I said, son, you got to slow your brain down so you can actually have enough time to form the words that are up here. And if you know Peter, you know that that was really an issue. I mean, things are moving a mile a minute up here, and his tongue just couldn't keep up with it. He was very poorly coordinated. And, and uh, I said, you got to slow down. Because when you're trying to say something too fast, you usually mess it up. And you know, in life, how many times have we all said things and said, well, I wish you wouldn't have said it that way? Well, that's, that's what he means by slow to speak. Take a moment and think about it. Ask for some direction from the Holy Spirit of God. You know, God doesn't need very long, elaborate prayers to answer them. Sometimes just the Lord give me grace to speak the way I ought to speak. will slow you down enough that you'll say the things that ought to be said. Make sure that what you're speaking is connected to Scripture. Amen? And then it says, slow to wrath. Now, this last one I'd like to spend a little time on because our author spends some time on it. He says, slow to, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. That wherefore in verse 21 connects us to verse 20. Now, I'll tell you, we do a lot and we use a phrase sometimes called righteous indignation. That means I'm upset, but it's righteous upset. And... uh, The Bible here says, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You know, 90 times out of 100, when we get upset about something, we're upset about it because of ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but if if you want to really get me upset, do one of those 90 mile an hour cut in front of me too close kind of things. I, I mean, I just really... Really hate that. If you want to endanger your life, I'm not going to stop you. But I really don't like it when you endanger mine and the people in the van that I'm driving with the church. 
I just don't like that. But you know what really makes me upset? Is when I'm in a hurry and someone cuts in front of me. Then it just goes almost to road rage. You know why? Because I'm pushing as close as I can to the limits. And this guy cuts my limits. I'm on the edge of the danger zone. And because of his ridiculous behavior, now I'm in the danger zone. Are you getting where we're going with this? You see, the reason why we get angry most of the time is because we're stretching the limits ourselves. We're a little too close to that edge, that wrath that is working in us so many times is connected to a heart that isn't seeking God in the first place. Oh yeah, we may be doing the right thing. We might not be out there doing something actually wrong. But what we have here is... Here I am trying to serve God, trying to do what's right, and this person does. And it gets to us. That's why the next verse says, Wherefore, because of this, lay apart. That just simply means to get rid of, to put over there. I mean, after church, uh, tonight we are going to lay apart the carpet On the main floor. I am going to be so happy to see that carpet go. It's almost 30 years old. I'll tell you what. We have gotten our money's worth and we didn't even pay for it. Amen. Uh, It was in the building when we bought it. And you know what? It should have been replaced in 1997. But we're going to lay it apart. We're going to cut it up in strips, roll it out there, put it in garbage bags, and hopefully over the next few weeks, New York Sanitation will pick it up and get rid of it. We're supposed to lay apart all filthiness. Now, living in New York City, I don't think I need to uh, define filthiness. Now, do I? Uh, I think we all know what that is. In case you have any questions, uh, it is summer in the city. Uh, Just walk behind some of these restaurants. uh, Just get close enough to the garbage dumpster, and and you will smell filthiness. You'll smell the rotting food and all that wonderful stuff that is in there. The Bible says lay it apart. One of the things that it's just become almost accepted, is double-meaning jokes. You have to be careful about that. You know what? Yeah, it's funny. But there's a verse in Proverbs, if you will remember our study there, about people who mock at sin. What is their proper title? It says, fools mock at sin. And I remember being a student in Bible college, and we had had a week 
uh, of chapel services on music, what constituted good music and what constituted bad music. And it was some of the greatest material that, that I ever got. And uh, that same week, we had a visiting pastor who had a, uh, a quartet uh, that was on his uh, staff, and the head of that quartet, the lead singer, did Elvis imitations. And so here we're getting a whole lesson on what's wrong with music. And of course, Elvis is the king of rock and roll, which is not music that Christians ought to enjoy. And he's on the platform, Bible college, flips his collar up so he looks like Elvis and sings, I'm too cool for Sunday school. Uh was it funny? Oh, it was funny. Was it good? No, it wasn't. You go to that same college on that same platform today, and they have an actual rock band there to, for every chapel service. You know why? Because they didn't lay apart all filthiness. Churches can do the same thing. Christians can do the same thing. If it's dirty, get rid of it. It says, and superfluity of naughtiness. Now, we've taken that word naughtiness and and made it almost a good thing. You know what? Naughtiness is evil. And it brings its friends with it. Uh, I don't know who coined the phrase, but sin comes in six packs. You can try to pick one, but the other five are coming with it. And and that's what this is talking about by superfluity. It's just an overabundance. I mean, everywhere we go, there is the dirt and sin of this world. And it says, Receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. If you're going to get God's Word in, you've got to have space for it. When Brother Jet was here, he's talking about counseling and addiction, and he, and he spent a lot of time on you have to lay aside, but when you lay aside, you've got to put back in. You can't just get rid of something in your life and expect that empty void that was there to stay that way. Uh, a vacuum, when it's released, when it, it will suck in whatever is there. How many of you have ever done the egg in the bottle trick? You get an old milk bottle with a narrow neck that the egg won't fit in. And uh, then you cheat and you take a raw egg and you soak it in vinegar. And what that does is that rubberizes the shell. So it's a raw egg. And you take a little bit of paper, and you set it on fire, throw it in the bottom of the jar, and that creates a vacuum as the paper burns up the oxygen in the jar. And it'll suck that egg right in there, just poof. And... Then you get the egg back out by blowing on the jar and turning it up, and it'll pop out in your hand, and you smack it on the table, break it, and ta-da, you took a raw egg and sucked it through a bottle. But let me tell you something. 
we can empty ourselves and if we don't put in the engrafted word, there are things going to get sucked into your life that are far worse than what you put out. That's what Jesus was talking about in the book of Matthew when he said, A spirit goeth out of a man and findeth seven more, and he comes back, and the state of him is worse at the end than was it was at the beginning. We've got to receive with meekness. Now, that word meekness simply means under the authority of. Uh, I love the illustration of our NYPD, our police officers. You get even a big police officer, 250-pound police officer. How in the world is he going to stop an 80,000-pound truck rolling down the highway? All he has to do is blow that whistle and say, Hey, uh, and that truck driver slams on the brakes and pulls over to the side of the road and does whatever that officer says. Does he have the physical force to stop that truck? Absolutely not. That truck would roll over him and wouldn't even slow down. But you know what? He's operating under the authority of the New York City Police Department. You had better do what he says. How do I operate under the authority? How do I receive with meekness God's Word? It says it. I do it. It's just that simple. If I'm going to receive with meekness, I've got to accept the authority and the direction of God's Word. And as I put that into my life, things will change. And one of the most famous verses in all the book of James that people quote over and over again is our next verse, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. This is the check. Uh, this is the test. Uh, if we are doing what is spoken of in verses 18 through 21, verse 22 is going to make perfect sense. Uh, are you listening to God's word? You know, I think we have more access to hearing God's Word and preaching of God's Word in our day than we have at any other time in history. I mean, you can go on to websites. You go on to our church website. Uh, there's like eight or nine years of services on the website. You could listen to preaching 24 hours a day as long as you got an Internet connection. For I don't know how many months just by connecting to our church website. And of course, if you could stand to listen to all that, there's something a whole lot more wrong with you than uh, that's why we do it in little doses. Amen. But let me tell you, that's just one. And I'm, I'm talking about good preaching. You can call up Southwest Baptist Church and you can get. 10 or 15 years of Brother Sam's preaching. You know what? That wouldn't hurt you a bit. But there are people, and I've, I've met a guy one time. He said, I read, I read through my entire Bible once every month, and I have for the last 10 years. Are you going to argue with me about the Bible? And I'm sitting here going, no. But 
I still don't believe you ought to send preachers into bars to witness to people on Friday nights. See, I don't know how reading the Bible equals having a rock band on your platform so you can quote-unquote reach more people. See, you've got to do more than hear. You've got to do more than just listen. Last time I checked, a church isn't a crowd. A church is the body of Christ. A church isn't a place where we just want people to come in. If I wanted, if that's all we wanted was people to come in, uh, we wouldn't have a cross-shaped pulpit, I'll tell you that. Have one of them glass things that everybody can see through. I don't know, that's dumber than a box of rocks. I mean, if you're going to have a pulpit that, anyway, let's go on. But the simple thing is, want to fill this place up? Open up a medical marijuana unit. I'll tell you what, we'd have a line to the Brooklyn Bridge and back. Now, wouldn't we? I don't know how all those people be so sick, but I I don't know what it is about that. If you want to reach people and give them what they want, that's not church. You say, Pastor, you're being ridiculous. Yes, I'm trying to use total absurdity to explain a point. If you're going to give them the kind of music they want, why don't you give them the kind of drugs they want? What's the difference? If you're going to give them the Word of God, well, then you better get busy giving them the Word of God. Amen? It's not enough just to hear. You've got to do something. Now, if I were to have every person... Get a sheet of paper out. No one else is going to look at your paper. But I want you to write down at least five things that you know that God wants you to do in your life that you didn't do this last week. How many of you would say, Pastor, do I have to write five? I'm not sure I could come up with that many. How many people would we have that have that problem? And my hand's not up. It wouldn't take much to come up with a list of five things that should be done that aren't being done. You see, when we hear and we don't do, we deceive ourselves. And when we deceive ourselves, we build a foundation to deceive ourselves again. We, we've got to do. We've got to constantly get to this checklist. You see, here's the example. Let's get back to James chapter 1. We'll try to be done on time tonight. It says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth away and forgetteth straightway 
what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, how many of you used a mirror today? I mean, uh, as I look out on the crowd, I don't see anyone who obviously didn't use a mirror today. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's not hard to figure out. I mean, if you look in the mirror, you see things that are in the mirror, and what do you do? Well, you adjust your tie so that it's straight if you have a tie on. And ladies like to put their hair all down, and teenagers like to get rid of those big... Uh, reddish white sores in their face and and, and uh, what you do with a mirror is you act upon what you see there unless you're one of those people that sit on the street saying please help me I'm hungry and you look in the mirror and say you know I don't look bad enough yet to really get some good help so I'm going to have to look a little worse here and, and let me, let me explain what's going on here. It says, you look in the mirror and you see your hair messed up, you see your teeth turning green, you see something bad that you don't like, what do you do? You fix it. You look into the mirror and it reflects something back to you that is not in accordance with doing God's Word. What ought you do? Fix it. If you can look in the mirror and see that problem and refuse to do something about it, what do you do? You deceive yourself. And by the way, men, the Bible says that we are much better at deceiving ourselves in front of the mirror than women are. A guy can look in the mirror... Hey, it still fits. Women can't do that. They're a little too sensitive. And men, we could use a little more sensitivity in that area, could we not? Uh, That we would look into the mirror of the perfect law of liberty. And when we see things in there, which we don't have a problem seeing... Then we've got to ask God to change it. That's what living the Christian life is about. That's how we receive that good, those good gifts and those perfect gifts that come from God the Father. And let's look at the next example here. It says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. When we get to chapter 3, James is going to have an awful lot to say about tongue. He said, but I I just want you to put this in the checklist here. If you can't control your mouth, your religion is in vain. Now, those are some pretty harsh words. Uh, And they were meant to be. And we get down to verse 27 here, our last verse in this chapter. It says, pure religion is... And undefiled before God, the Fa- God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, 
and to keep himself unspotted from the world. It's pure religion. It's simply this. It's going to be to help others in their time of need. Now, we have to be careful. I don't want to help a homeless man just be a better homeless man. I'd like to see him get helped out of a homeless lifestyle. And if they don't want that help, well then, let's go find somebody that does. Amen? When believers in Christ are struggling, guess who ought to be there first? Other believers in Christ. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. You know what? If I have to join the world to help somebody, I'm not helping them. I'm only hurting them and I'm hurting me too. Pure religion is to keep ourselves unspotted by the world, not compromise with the world, and to help those that are in affliction. That's what we need to be. That's what our church needs to be about. You can't put it any more succinct than that. And that's what we're trying to do. Are we going to accomplish that every time? No. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to go back and look in the mirror, get it fixed, and start trying to do. We're going to listen a little closer. We're going to make sure we're listening to the right things. We're going to slow down a little bit so we can say the right things. We're going to lay apart those things so that when we do get upset, it ought to be upset about the right things. You know, you can always tell perversity when you get upset about the wrong things and you don't get upset about the right things. Uh, I mean, we could preach a whole sermon on that. Uh, That's the problem with our country today. They're not upset about things that they ought to be upset about. And they're upset about uh, uh, greenhouse gases and, and air pollution and all of these things and, and uh, health insurance. and They're upset about all those things. But, you know, government was never intended to t- deal with any of those issues. And they ought to be dealing with the national debt. They ought to be dealing with immigration. They ought to be dealing with with some of these world situations where America could and should make a difference. But instead, we're going to worry about all these other unnecessary things. People crossing the streets and whatever else is on the thing, and the horses in Central Park. We're all worried about the horses in Central Park. I heard a news report yesterday that New York City government is stable. So I was wondering if uh, de Blasio moved it to the horse stables or not. I'm not sure. But uh, just a little joke there. Now everybody laughs. You see, we need to be doing the right things. And stop worrying about the wrong things. We need to be doers of the word. And not hearers only. That's the check. If we're not there. And by admission, none of us are. 
then let's get back to that laying apart verse. And let's go back to verse 18 and remember what God has given us and try to live in it each and every day. And we'll get a whole lot closer to verse 27 than any other way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You. We thank You for Your Word and what is in it. We thank You for the practicality of this wonderful little book, the book of James. We thank You for all the things that it says. And Lord, we ask that You would allow us to look into that mirror and to honestly see what is there. Lord, we ask that You would give us grace to be Your servants and to walk in that pure, undefiled, and acceptable religion that is spoken of in the book of James. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just give you opportunity to spend a little time either in your seat or at the altar, and then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.